Aravindan Balakrishnan, or Comrade Bala, started out as a young pro-communist activist. But when he was kicked out of Britain's Communist Party, his ideology took another sinister turn. Bala, and thank you very much for the pronunciation guide from our producers, but I do know how to say that because it is Saruti's name. It is. Bala came to lead one of England's most disturbing cults. His methods of mind control and abuse led to false imprisonment and eventually his own arrest and conviction. everyone and welcome to Sinister Societies, a family affair this week, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Hannah Maguire. And although I am Saruti Bala, the subject of today's show is of no relation to me. So she says. So she says. But every week here on Sinister Societies, we cover your favourite cults, faith followers and secret societies. We'll look at how some of the biggest secretive societies and cults have made their fortunes. And how they've also managed to run in plain sight and permeate into your everyday life. And today we're going to tell you all about a name that Saruti's going to say for me. Aravindan Balakrishnan. There you go. What's wonderful. That one, Workers' Institute of Marxism, Leninism, Mao Zedong, Thought. Just rolls right off the tongue. Just, you know, that's like an exercise that people have to do in public speaking <laughs> workshops. Comrade Bala, as he called himself, started out as a brilliant student and earned a scholarship to study at the very prestigious London School of Economics. I would like you to call me Comrade Bala from now on. It goes against all of it your does. capitalist sensibilities, though. It goes against everything I stand for. <laughs> but instead of his smarts and charms leading Comrade Bala to a life in politics, he went down a very different path. He started a commune where he would come to rule over every aspect of his followers' lives and eventually forbade them from even leaving the commune altogether. Using mind control manipulation, Bala created fear in female followers that kept them loyal to him, despite physical and sexual abuse. But then the brave escape of one member changed everything. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. At IKEA, your dream home is a blue bag away. No matter the size of your space or budget, we've got everything you need to turn your dreams into reality. And now with new lower prices on hundreds of our most popular products, bringing the dream home is even easier. Like the gray Strandom wing chair, was $369, now $299. And the IKEA Plus 365 nine-piece cookware set was $129.99, now $89.99. And hundreds more. Shop new lower prices at ikea-usa.com today. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. 
So let's get into Aravindan Balakrishnan smashing it. His early life and how he established the Workers' Institute of Marxism-Leninism, Mao Zedong thought. He doesn't want to pick just one. Nah. All of them. Smash them all together. Not from Trotsky, he's got left out. Aravindan Balakrishnan was born, surprise, surprise, in India, in Saruti Bala's front room in 1940. <laughs> he moved to Singapore with his family in 1949. So he was politically active at the University of Singapore and also a good student, which earned him a scholarship to study at the London School of Economics. He moved to the UK in 1963 because that's where the London School of Economics is. And he happened to move during a time when far-left organisations were recruiting members from immigrant neighbourhoods to help in the struggle against a nationalistic right-wing movement. Inspired by this movement, Balakrishnan dropped out of university in 1967 and joined the Communist Party of England. He began staging sit-ins, protests and lectures where he would wave Chairman Mao banners and salute the Chinese revolutionary leader. Sounds like an excellent use of your time. I mean, it sounds like he would possibly fund my production of Into the Mind of Mao. <laughs> I can't remember if I told you about this on this show or on Red Handed, but a friend of mine, when he was at high school, he had a choice between a creative project mm -hmm. or writing an essay. And he was like, I'm not doing an essay, fuck that. So instead, he penned an entire musical about Mao Zedong called Into the Mind of Mao. That, I which mean, seems like a lot more work. I was going to say, in hindsight, I would say probably easier to just write an essay. Yeah, well, Into the Mind of Mao. That's the <laughs> opening number. I'm accepting a first round of investment Perfect. for my production of Into the Mind of Mao. It also seems to be the only line throughout the entire It's the only one I can remember, but I didn't write it. Fair, fair. But I'm sure if I could give Joey a ring now and he'd voice note the whole thing. Into the mind of Mal. <laughs> I think it's a goer. I think so too. Second only to my David Icke the musical where everyone's a puppet except David Icke. Anyway, so if you don't know who Chairman Mao is, here's a quick refresher for you because it is, of course, who Balakrishnan seemed to idolize. Mao Zedong was a founding member of the Chinese Communist Party and later the chairman of the People's Republic of China. He preached a Chinese style of communism and once said that, quote, political power grows out of the barrel of a gun. And that will start to make a lot more sense when we start to get into Balakrishnan's violent tendencies. Also, just in case anybody didn't know, in about four years, he killed maybe 15 to 20 million people. Yeah, the Great Leap Forward. That's a lot of people to kill in four years. Mm-hmm. 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 Into the mind of Mao. <laughs> Into the mind of Mao. Sabala Krishnan later married Chandna Patni, who he met through political activism. There you go, Hannah. That's how we need to meet men, clearly. I tried. Political activism. I tried so hard. I occupied everything. <laughs> I tried so hard. Except your soul. And yes, exactly. I didn't occupy Except my self-love. Yeah. Oh. No, yeah, I tried. It doesn't work. Oh. They're much more interested in the mind of Mal. <laughs> I see. I see. Problems. So it worked for Balakrishna because like I said, he met Chandana and uh, they moved into a home in London together. By 1974, Balakrishnan had been expelled from the now defunct Communist Party of England for what they called splittist activities. In other words, his ideology and activities were veering away from the party line. He responded by publishing leaflets calling his old party fascist. That's how to do it. The classic. If you don't like him, call him a fascist. fascist. Easy. Easy peasy. Fascist. 
He and his wife set up a bookshop in Brixton, obviously, called the Workers' Institute of Marxism-Leninism Mao Zedong Thought. The shop stood out with windows covered in Chinese flags and 20-foot-high posters of Mao. I'm so baffled. By Mm. the time this is happening in the mid-70s, Mao's killed all those people. Mm -hmm. So what is there to be like? Love him. Love it. Well... Were they just like, oh, it just didn't work, but it doesn't mean it's a bad idea? Mm, well, kind of, because it's the Stalin thing of like mm. one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. Yeah, yeah. The, I think the important thing to understand about Eastern communism and why it's different from how we understand it in the West is it's not about the kind of worthiness of it, of like mm-hmm. every man being equal and everyone deserving the same. Eastern communism is a lot less of that and a lot more of we need to be working on a different system to the West so they can't fuck us anymore. Mm. So that's why the Great Leap Forward was viewed as a success, depending on which side of, you know, death you stand on. But in the How communist much you value world, human life. Yes, yeah. In the <laughs> communist world, it was seen as a success because it did get China in those five years onto a different system and the West had no power of them anymore and they still don't. Mm-hmm. So it depends which way you look at it. But Eastern communism is very different to the sort of like USSR model that we are familiar with here. Though I would also argue the USSR model doesn't give a fuck about people. Oh, no, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. But it's it's a lot more like worker forward sure. than Eastern communism, I would argue. Mm, but work yourself or go to war to death for the... Yeah, it's just a bit more nationalist and a bit mm. more deity-centred. I would argue that Eastern communism now has remained more Stalinist than USSR communism, I would argue. We'll leave it there and we'll move on. <laughs> So through Balakrishnan's political activism and his bookshop, he started to build a small following for himself. He even started referring to himself at this point as Comrade Bala, which I absolutely fucking hate. You literally not five minutes no, ago I know. asked me to he call does, you that. He can't. <laughs> well, I was trying to be funny, but I hate it. Oh, okay, sorry. So when Chairman Mao died in 1976, Bala and his wife renamed the bookshop the Mao Zedong Memorial Center in Brixton. They would hold lectures, group studies, and even film screenings there. The center also, of course, operated as a commune with 13 people living in it. Many of them were alienated foreign students. Of the 13 members at the time, half were doing paid work, and the others focused on full-time revolutionary work. (laughs) Unemployed activist is my favorite job title. Ever. What do you do? I'm a full-time revolutionary worker. Exactly. I.e. an international student and my dad pays my bills. An international student of mystery and full-time revolutionary worker. I'm just a citizen of the world. Call me comrade. (laughs) And I went to university with all of them. In 2016, a former follower of Bala said to the New Yorker, no less, about his small group of followers, quote, all the people who were there were vulnerable in different ways. They were at the end of their rope and they came to him. He was like their saviour. Uh-oh. <laughs> Bala and the rest of his group were paranoid about the British government and the police. In 1977, authorities in Singapore claimed that Bala was plotting to overthrow Singapore's leader all the way from Brixton, and they revoked his citizenship. He's getting some international, international heat. recognition. Yeah. yeah. Some heat. <laughs> He's catching some heat. Though, I mean, the Singapore... The Singaporees... Singaporean. Singaporeans will throw you in jail for chewing gum. So yes, they're throwing true. heat around like it's fucking 
Smarties. Burning hot gum with Smarties in it. Fantastic. <laughs> Keep the analogies coming. Yeah. And then that international heat got very localized as in 1978, the Mao Memorial Center was raided by police. Bala, along with the 13 other members of the group, were arrested and nine of them were sent to prison for a short amount of time for assaulting police officers during the raid. After that experience, the group decided to go underground and live off the grid. They moved houses regularly to avoid detection. Inside the group, though, Bala was becoming more controlling over the lives of his followers. According to one former member, he told the women that he was God and able to control everything that happened in the whole wide world. Right up until that last bullet point, Mm. it was essentially describing my university experience. (laughs) There's a lot of squats... Lots of unclean oh, people. I love it. We couldn't have had more different experiences. I know, I know. I was just getting drunk at drinking snake bite at yeah. Fab and Fresh <laughs> and then spending the rest of the time crying over my economics work. Yeah, no. I must have told you this. I was on the front page of the Evening Standard climbing out the window of an occupation. <laughs> so, And I didn't know. Brilliant. We were occupying the Brunei Gallery, which is part of SOAS, which was paid for entirely by the mm-hmm. Sultan of Brunei. And they can't see the irony there somehow. Because the whole point of SOAS is that it's set up as a college to train diplomats to send them to the colonies. Like the whole thing is super capitalist and super colonial, but it's become this like left thing. Anyway, so we were occupying that about the the cuts and the tripling of the university fees. So we mm-hmm. were occupying the Brunei Gallery. But the thing is, when you're occupying something, you're not allowed to leave. That's a big part of it. Yeah. And I really, really needed to buy some cigarettes. Oh, no. So were they like calling you some sort of fucking scab? scab? No, no, no. <laughs> they were hoisting me down out of the window so I could go and buy everybody's cigarettes. You're not allowed to leave empty. Sure. So like you're allowed to like go to lectures or whatever, sure, as sure. long as there's still like a Good. core group of people in the occupation. Yeah. You don't want your activism to interfere with your life. No, exactly. (laughs) And the Evening Standard photographer took a photo of me. Is it a good photo? It's just my bum. Oh, Um, is it like the Bridget Jones thing? Kind of, but it's very obviously me. I think my face is in it, but my bum is also in it because I was wearing a dress and it like come up. I like the idea. It's like you've got your bum in the shot and then you're turning and then there's like a mirror and your face is also reflected on it. Yeah, almost. Anyway, I knew nothing about it because I knew I'd been photographed. But I was like, there's no way they're going to mm-hmm. use it. And then my auntie rang me in the morning and on her commute to work, she was like, you were on the front page so of the Evening funny. Standard. That's and I never saw a copy of it. Oh, I don't have no. it. I know. Gutting. What's your auntie doing chucking it away? I don't know. Really, she's mental. recycling bin. Come <laughs> yeah, on. So I think she just assumed I would have one. Well, that's outrageous. <laughs> Coming up, we'll get into Bala's mind control methods that allowed him to control the women of his commune. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. So let's get into Comrade Barla's methods of controlling followers' lives and minds much of which was told to the BBC by three surviving members of the group. Bala claimed to control the world with an invisible computer satellite called Jackie. And Jackie is not a person. It's actually... Well, it's a satellite. What? Quite. <laughs> an invisible one. <laughs> um, an invisible satellite. And it stands for, it's an acronym. So Jackie stands for Jehovah, Allah, Christ, Krishna, and Immortal Ishwaran. Did I say that right? Ishwaran. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I said it in a white way. Killed it. Uh, <laughs> uh, who's apparently a spiritual teacher from Kerala, India. Do you have any Hindu elaborations for there for me? Uh, not really. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> Ishwaran is also like the name of like, there's so many gods. There's so many uh-huh. gods. Too like, many. Too many. There's definitely a god out there called that. Okay. 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 I also feel like it's like what you say is like, well, definitely what my grandmother will say is just like how people would say like, oh my God, here. Ah, um, okay. She'd be like, oh, Ishvara. Uh-huh. Like she would say that for sure. Okay. I don't think she'd talk about Jackie though. The A of Jackie. The A of the Jackie. E of Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently when seemingly random events like an ambulance driving by or a natural disaster or like an earthquake, for example, happened, Bala would take credit for it and say that it was the government sending them a sign. This created an atmosphere of paranoia and control centred around Bala himself. Well, this is refreshing. You know, he's like, I'm going to have a niche that's weather-related. Yeah, and also he hasn't done what many of them do, which is predict things that don't happen. He waits for them to happen, and then he was like, that was me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's the perfect crime. You're right, it is the perfect crime. And if anyone in the house had disloyal thoughts, Jackie, the satellite, would cause the household appliances to malfunction. Or so they thought. It's just him jamming a fork in the toaster. Yeah. And you know he does that, like just little false flag operations. So then he's like (laughs) making everybody paranoid about who's thinking disloyal thoughts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Followers of Bala had to wake early to help serve him by doing housework and making meals. Things like turning on or off the shower for Bala was considered a great honour. How communist of you. (laughs) And then Bala would lecture daily for hours and group members were required to stand at attention for the entire duration whilst listening, or else they would be punished. He spoke often about Mao, Marx and Lenin, while railing against the fascist British state. On the anniversary of Bala's conception and his birthday, the group would celebrate. Any world events that happened close to those dates, Bala would somehow link to his life, proving his all-powerfulness. I think we should all start celebrating the day of our conception. Shouldn't we? <laughs> Mum. I don't want to know. <laughs> Two birthdays. Sabar so Bala and his wife never had a job. Some select members of the group would go out to work to bring money back into the commune. Besides going out to earn money, followers were told that they would die or spontaneously combust if they left their shared apartment. So it's like, you can go to work because you've got a job in the new fucking Greggs or whatever. But if you go At out... The Economist. Jackie's going to set fire to you. <laughs> what? It's so much. And it only gets worse, I'm afraid. So Barley used to tell his group that, quote, 
captive animals live longer. Categorically false. Yeah. I've seen blackfish. I know it's lies. Yeah. All they do the second you step into SeaWorld is start lying to you. <laughs> and then they lie all the time until you have, you... have you not seen blackfish? I have. I'm sad when I think about it. Yeah. No, I've watched it many, many, many times. No, I watched the, it The dorsal fin being bent over, complete no. lie. Fabricated by SeaWorld. Watched it once and I was like, that's enough of that. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I do have a fun fact yet. Oh, do you? You might already know this. Uh, the listeners might already know this, but it is interesting. Is that um, there is no great white shark anywhere in captivity anywhere in the world because the minute you take them into captivity, they die. That's why you will never really? see a great white shark in an aquarium. No aquarium has one because they can't. Oh. It's like the only animal that cannot be kept in captivity. That's so interesting. I didn't know that. I read that sharks have hospitals in the world. Yeah. So apparently, you know how like dolphins will raise their babies in like a cove where it's mm -hmm. like easier to swim in shallower mm -hmm. water. Sharks will find like underwater cave systems and they'll either take like mothers and babies to like raise their kids or if they've been injured or they're ill, they go there and like, con what's the word? Convalesce. Yeah. Like Victorian heroines. Exactly. I love it. Like Victorian women with TB in the Swiss Alps. Brilliant. Brilliant so many shark facts I've got one more for you Hannah knows this already because I love saying it sharks are older than trees dislike unsubscribe sharks are older than trees nope they have been on this planet for longer than trees have there also they've recently sorry just going off on the shark facts keep them coming they have been carbon dating some new megalodon teeth oh. the super shark no word gets me more excited than megalodon, megalodon. <laughs> so they used to think it was like 50,000 years ago mm -hmm. now they think it might have been 15 hmm and they might still be down there. I don't know. Did you see the video of the man today who caught a 10-foot sturgeon? No. <laughs> or 10-meter sturgeon. It was fucking massive. Anyway, we're well off track. So basically, Bala's telling his <laughs> followers that uh, they should stay in the apartment because captive animals live longer, which we have hopefully proven to you is not the truth at all. He also used additional isolation techniques, telling the group of women that their families were fascists and banned them from being in touch with them. More classic cult behavior. Here we go. Ding, da, da, ding, 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 ding. That's changed quite considerably, hasn't it? The cult wind chime. Yeah, I mean, I admire you sticking at it because they will just take it out. Da, da, ding, ding, <laughs> you ding, ding, could just ding. be. You could be doing a whole rendition of singing in the rain. It's not making it in. <laughs> and now for my next rendition of the cult wind chime, I'll be singing. <laughs> into the mind of Mao. <laughs> Maybe we just start saying that instead of the wind chime noise. <laughs> okay. Brilliant. So here are a few other non-traditional beliefs that Comrade Bala also held. One, he didn't believe in going to the dentist. One former follower told the BBC that Bala said, quote, we should let our teeth drop naturally. And then when you're 100, your teeth will regrow and you'll get another set. Well, you know who never brushed their teeth? Who? Into the mind of Mao. Mao Zedong never brushed his teeth. It must be because of that. Mm -hmm. I also think is what we see with cult leaders all the time, which is like the things that they like or they dislike, they basically try to normalize within the cult setting. So he yep. clearly doesn't like going to the dentist. And he's like, no one should go to the dentist because why should I be the only one that's got horrible manky teeth? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's not because I'm scared. It's because it's the normal thing now that mm. we do. And the other thing that Bala stood firmly by is apparently that group members were reportedly forbidden from going to the doctor. Bala said that if a member got ill, they could heal themselves by simply focusing on him. Bala 
was also, in news that will surprise absolutely nobody, physically and sexually abusive to several members oh, of his group. I wonder why he didn't want them going to the doctor. Uh-huh. And to one of them, he reportedly called his semen the elixir of life. <laughs> Don't like that. <laughs> in 1983, Bala and one of the group members, Sean Davies, gave birth to a girl who was originally named Prem. Bala referred to raising her as Project Prem, like she's some sort of chimpanzee. I hate that. And he saw it as a chance to get rid of the nuclear family and raise her communally. My cousin's also called Prem. Oh, really? I don't like this. Project Prem. Project Prem. That's disgusting. Have you seen Project Nem? Uh, no. He's either a gorilla or a chimpanzee and they try and raise him like a human. No. Uh, and he wears a little t-shirt. Um, Doesn't but then, he tear someone's face off? Yeah, he gets too big, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he gets too big to be looked after. He just doesn't know his own strength sometimes. <laughs> the group were not allowed to show any affection towards Prem at all. And she also didn't know who her parents were. Oh, that sounds like a recipe for absolute success. <laughs> yeah. Initially, she was told that she had been found on the street when she was an infant. That's not going to give you any trauma. Good. And Bala implied to members that Prem's father was actually Jackie the Invisible Satellite. When you're in this deep, you can say whatever you want. I mean, it sounds like they are going to swallow anything he gives them. Including his yeah, elixir yeah, of life. Yeah, thank you. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> So Jackie, of course, if you need reminding, is the satellite machine that Bala claimed to use to control the entire world. And the only one who could show Prem affection was Bala himself, who told her that, quote, it's like being a lesbian to cuddle other women. What? What is she, three? Like, are you explaining what a lesbian, like, what? So he was the only one that's allowed to cuddle Prem, but that affection was often doled out alongside beatings and punishments for every minor infraction. Prem wore genderless clothes and was told that if she tried to leave the house alone, she would spontaneously combust. When she was young, Bala once put her outside as punishment, and she panicked that she was about to die. But when she survived, Prem rationalized that Jackie, the machine that Bala used to control the world, had spared her because it knew Bala was the one who placed her outside. So obviously this child has been conditioned growing up in this household to do all sorts of mental gymnastics mm-hmm. because the only frame of reference that Prem has is what Bala has told her. Sure. So even when something he told her will happen doesn't happen, she's not like, oh, maybe he's lying. Mm-hmm. She's just like, well, this must be the reason that this didn't happen. Yeah. And it's terrifying. It's terrifying. The level of abuse here Because often we see it with cults, like it's people getting brainwashed when they're already adults. Of course that does damage. Mm -hmm. But deprogramming them, they at least have some normal frame of reference to come back to. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. some form of muscle memory they can draw on. Prem has nothing. Yeah, she's like the kid in room. Yeah, if that kid's mom had been a horrible piece of shit. Yes. Yes. And if her dad was a satellite. (laughs) Precisely. Coming up, Bala's tightly run commune starts to crumble when Prem decides to make a daring escape. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. 
It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, welcome to Ikea, where even this desk is circular. Huh, how so? Looks pretty rectangular to me. It's because we're always looking to repair, reuse, and we love our products, like buying back your Ikea items for store credit, or shop our as-is section for great deals. You can even order free spare parts. Get on the circular path for a more sustainable future. Still a rectangle. Get started at ikea-usa.com slash circular. Visit ikea-usa.com slash circular for as-is information and buyback and resale terms and conditions. Spare parts not available for all products. So let's get into the deaths and escape that spelled the end for Aravinda Balakrishnan. In 1996, Bala bound and gagged Sean after she tried to visit her family for Christmas. The next day, she was found in the backyard, having fallen from a second floor window and broken her neck. Although Sean was taken to the hospital, Bala at first refused to visit her. Prem later told The New Yorker that Bala wanted Sean to think that she had been abandoned so she would reflect on what she had done. Sean died months later in hospital. She was just 44 years old. Prem said that she felt relief after Sean's death, as Sean was particularly cruel in enforcing Bala's rules in the house. In 2004, another member of the group died after hitting her head on a cabinet and having a stroke. Bala had forbidden anyone from calling an ambulance. During this time, Prem got noticeably depressed. One day she decided to escape, letting herself out of the back door of the group's home. Until then, she had never even been outside on her own. And just a reminder, just to put this all into context as to when this is happening, this daring escape was in 2005 when Prem was 22 years old and she had never been outside on her own. Not even Jesus, Mary, Joseph and the tiny little donkey. It's <laughs> Jehovah, Allah. Jesus, Mary, Joseph and all his carpenter friends. And the wee donkey as per <laughs> the shepherd. line of duty. I'm stealing this from line of duty. Oh, are you? Yeah, it's the Irish guy in it who's like the superintendent. Uh-huh. And it's like became like a total meme because he's always like Nick and Bent Coppers um, in uh-huh. an Irish accent. And also... Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and the tiny wee donkey. Which I can't do an Irish accent. But it's like his catchphrase. It's great. Anyway, so yeah, it's absolutely horrific shit. Prem is like a complete, like a child X mm-hmm. type character in this scenario. But somehow Prem ended up at a police station where she struggled to explain her situation to the officers because she doesn't even really understand what the situation is. She doesn't know what normal is. Yeah. For all she knows, everybody's house is like that. Yeah. Everybody's family is like that. It's like the Turpin 14, mm-hmm. that girl who escaped and then she managed to find a police officer, but she didn't know what medication was, so yeah. she couldn't explain. Yeah, yeah. And Prem only managed to tell the officers that she had, quote, run away from home. She let the police call Bala, who came to collect her after reassuring the police that all was fine. When Prem got back to the house, Bala denounced her and called her ungrateful. I'm guessing the police were also incredibly confused um, because Prem would have looked like a 22-year-old woman. But But then you would have noticed that she was also incredibly vulnerable. You'd know something was off, surely. You'd hope so. I'm amazed they let her leave with And again, this isn't like, just to remind everybody, this wasn't happening in the 70s. This Mm. was 2005 and the police let her go. Just more gold stars with the London Metropolitan Police right here. So when the police called in to check on Prem, which at least they did that, Prem took the phone call 
surrounded by Bala and the group of women. One former member of the community explained her own reasoning for not running away like this. I had nobody outside. I had lost contact with my family. I had no money. I had no job. And I might have been deported because that's the other thing that we think we've all forgotten. Most of them are migrants. So probably done nothing about their right to remain. They've just been sat in a house for years and years and years. And also, again, like we see with cults, the first point of action is always to isolate that person from Mm -hmm. any other support system so that they become completely reliant on you. By 2013, one of the group members was worried about Prem's health. She memorized a phone number line for victims of trafficking that she saw on TV. She and Prem called the number, which led them to the Palm Cove Society, a husband and wife operation for victims of abuse and human trafficking. They helped Prem escape a few weeks after the phone call, while Bala and another group member were out shopping. Once out in the world, Prem changed her name to Katie, after feeling inspired by Katy Perry song lyrics, aren't we all? But she was missing a lot of basic skills for functioning in the real world. She didn't know how to handle money, for example, or cross the street, or make eye contact with people. Katie ended up living with the husband and wife from the Palm Cove Society for a year and a half as she learned basic life skills. In December of 2014, Bala was charged with four counts of rape, 19 counts of indecent assault, one charge of false imprisonment, and one count of cruelty to a minor under 16 years old. He used his trial as a chance to share his ideology, telling jurors that a challenge to his leadership resulted in the 1986 Space Shuttle Challenger disaster. So, you know, just like world-changing events, they're all because of him, all because of things that happened to him. He also claimed that the Jackie machine was responsible for Jeremy Corbyn being elected leader of the Labour Party. I think probably quite a lot of people would agree with that. (laughs) Barlow was convicted of child cruelty, four counts of rape, false imprisonment, six counts of indecent assault and two counts of actual bodily harm. He was sentenced to 23 years in prison. Thankfully, he remains there to this day. Barlow's wife and another member of the group have continued to stand by his side state his innocence and say that he was framed by the British fascist state. Yeah. Okay. I wonder what Jeremy Corbyn's got to say about all of this. I would love to I, know. I really do want to know. <laughs> Katie says she no longer hates Bala. She told the BBC, quote, Nelson Mandela said that you are still in prison if you hold on to your anger, hatred and bitterness. So there's no place for that in my life. May we all be more Katie. Yeah. That is inspirational. I feel inspired because couldn't think of a worse start to life Mm -hmm. than what Katie went through. No. And good for her. I have watched this documentary, the BBC documentary that we referenced in this episode. And it is, it's well worth watching because I think this sounds horrible, but you really, really see the trauma that Katie went through. Yeah, I bet. Because she is the main focal point of the entire mm-hmm. documentary. And she's being interviewed in it, as are his two, the comrade Bala's fucking two wives or whatever. Yeah. They're just, they're awful. They're awful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that. Moral of the story. Once again, people who study economics have shown themselves <laughs> to be total <laughs> bastards that should be avoided at all costs. I know. Especially when they're called Barla. I know. There you go. The plot thickens. <laughs> the plot solidifies. Yeah. There you go. So that is the story of Comrade Barla, Jackie and the Workers' Institute. And I will be taking donations for my production of Into the Mind of Mao anytime. Just slide in my DMs. Absolutely. Just direct PayPal <laughs> to Hannah's bank account. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening. I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. And we'll be back next week with another great episode. And we just wanted to mention that for today's episode, we referenced the reporting of the BBC, The Guardian, The Telegraph and The New Yorker. Remember to follow Sinister Societies on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. You can listen to this and all other episodes of Sinister Societies for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us and you want to hear us talk about some other types of crime, true If you want crimes, more communism, come on over. Come on over. We are coming up, probably by the time this is out, it'll be out already. We are doing an episode on the assassination of King Jong Nam. And if you don't know who he is, he's King Jong Un's half brother. And he was supposed to be the supreme leader of North Korea, but it didn't quite happen like that. No, he instead got murdered after a trip to Disneyland, didn't he? Sure. Yeah, sure. ish. Yeah, so he good got enough. Murdered in an airport. Good enough. And also, if you'd like to hear other cultish things, kind of similar, the one that Hannah referenced is we've also covered the case of the Turpin 13, which is a very reminiscent case to this, which is over on Red Handed, wherever you listen to your podcasts. So we'll see you here or there or maybe inside your house. Actually, I'm right behind you. Bye. Bye. Sinister Societies is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo, Gemma Waters, and Tracy Levy. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro. Research by Chelsea Wood and fact-checking by Laurie Siegel. And we're your hosts, Hannah Maguire and Saruti Bala. <laughs>